Podcastle, episode 408, for March 22nd, 2016. Tumbleweeds and Little Girls, by Jeff Bowles, rated PG. Hello listeners, and welcome to Podcastle. This is Jen Albert. I'm assistant editor here at Podcastle and your host today. I love today's story. It brings up memories of when my sister and I were girls, and we partook in lots of writing and creative play, as many kids do. Our parents were really good about it. They always encouraged us, even when they were forced to sit through three-act plays written by our middle school ourselves and stirring our stuffed toys. I'm certain our writing was terribly derivative. We watched plenty of movies, read lots of books, played video games, and these stories acted as fuel for our creative fires. They showed us what was possible. They helped us to create. I feel such a connection to today's story. It almost plays like something out of my 12-year-old imagination. Podcastle is proud to present Tumbleweeds and Little Girls, written by Jeff Bowles. This story is a Podcastle original. Today's author is Jeff Bowles. Jeff was born and raised in high country, Colorado. In 2015, he earned his creative writing MFA at Western State Colorado University, where he studied under industry veterans and produced a thesis novel he'll be publishing soon. His work has appeared in venues like The Nashville Review, the world's premier horror fiction podcast, Pseudopod, The Three Penny Review, and Spark, a creative anthology. He lives on the vast, wide-open plains of Colorado with his wife and his far too many strange ideas. Jeff talks about writing, life, the universe, video games, and geek culture on his Facebook page. You can check him out at facebook.com slash Jeff Ryan Bowles. Your reader today is Julie Hoverson. Julie is a writer and producer of such audio dramas as 19 Nocturne Boulevard and Fatal Girl, both available at 19nocturneboulevard.com, has now turned her hand to audiobooks and can be found on audible.com, narrating such diverse pieces as Jake Bible's Dead Mech Apex trilogy and several novellas that are part of Brian McClellan's Powder Mage series, most recently Murder at the Kinnan Hotel. So rev your imaginations and call out to your inner child. I hope you enjoy this story. Tumbleweeds and Little Girls by Jeff Bowles They had the Tumbleweed Ambassador on the news a month before the big battle. The news guy and news girl said he was intelligent, and then a local representative of the Plains and Wildlife Service translated for him because tumbleweeds can't talk and must sign everything by rolling and hopping and whatnot. We mean your people no harm said the Plains and Wildlife Service guy. He spoke kind of slow and choppy. I guessed he wasn't actually, what do you call it, fluent in tumbleweed. He said, The war has started whether you realize it or not. The Prairie Queen has an army of deer and antelope and coyotes. She's got the power of fire. She murdered our wizard father and made her castle from our dead tumbleweed brothers and sisters. The crazy bitch. I winced at this last word. I'm only 12 years old, after all. My dad used to talk real rough like that. He used to cuss and laugh and say to me, 
Don't repeat that to your mother, Amy Masterson. I don't want to fight no little girl. Then we'd roughhouse a bit. My dad died last year, though. Some kind of cancer. Mom never told me which. I don't usually watch the late news. I'm supposed to be in bed. But Mom passed out on the sofa early. I laid a blanket over her and picked the empty wine bottle off its side so it wouldn't drip on the carpet. The Plains and Wildlife Service guy said, Have you not noticed her spot fires outside your city? We want to kill your precious girls. The tumbleweed popped up into the air and spun angrily. Plains and Wildlife guy said, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We want to utilize your precious girls. We have no defenses. We need soldiers. The Prairie Queen cannot stand against the wealth of your girls, or so we believe. There was some more talking. I was getting sleepy. The news guy said, And of course we know the city has been expanding into the Queen's Prairie Land at an exponential rate. And the news girl said, Right you are, Tom. In retrospect, that may have been a huge mistake. Oops. And then a commercial for local heating and cooling repair came on. I went to kiss Mom on the forehead. She moaned softly, smiled for a second, and then settled into a noisy, listless snore. Mom is a good mother, but I think Dad dying did some stuff to her. I guess that's normal. She never used to drink wine. There was a knock at the door. I was scared for a second, but only because Mom said never to open the door to strangers at such a late hour. There was another knock. Mom, I said, someone at the door. Mom didn't wake up. I nudged her, shook her, but still nothing. All snores, drool dribbling from the corner of her mouth. I went to the door, looked through the peephole. There was nobody there. The heck, I said. I slid back the deadbolt and opened the door. A tumbleweed sat on our welcome mat. It had a leather glove duct-taped to its scrawny, scratchy limbs. It was kind of a big tumbleweed, the color of autumn wild grass. It leaned into, like, look into our house. Is this because I'm a precious girl, I said. The tumbleweed shook. And you're recruiting all the girls, and that means me, right? It shook again. Only thing is, I can't leave. Mom'll be super pissed. <gasps> Oops, Mom'll be super angry. The tumbleweed rolled over and over until the glove and duct tape came undone and stuck and sat limp and kind of sad on our porch. The tumbleweed wiggled and bent toward the glove. I shrugged and picked it up. There was a big rock inside. There was also some red dirt. I brought the dirt to my nose to sniff it. It smelled salty, briny, kind of like how I imagine the ocean smells, like vast rotting shipwrecks beneath the waves where porpoises and turtles swim and play. What's this stuff, I said. The tumbleweed smashed into my leg. My hand jerked. The dirt flew. A bunch of it went up my nose. I sneezed. Someone said, Me entiendes? I sneezed again. A big cloud of red flew from my nostrils. Someone said, Ne me comprenez-vous? Huh? 
I snorted. Is that even English? Oh, English, English. Oh, of course. Yes, how Sally of me. What? Sally? I wriggled my nose and wiped allergy tears from my eyes. Silly, silly, of course. Stupid dumb dust. I'm dumb, you know? All tumbleweeds are dumb. Call me Aaron. Aaron Cisimbrium Altissimum. Don't worry about that last part. That's my family name. Are you ready to be a soldier girl? Soldier, I said. You mean to fight the Prairie Queen? That's precisely what I mean. Time is short. Matters are barbiturate. Barbiturate? Aaron twitched. Desperate, desperate. If we don't stop her now, she'll kill all the tumbleweeds. And then, girl, she'll kill all the humans, too. I looked over my shoulder. Mom was still snoring away on the couch. Wine makes adults snore. That's something I learned. Come on, soldier, said Aaron. No more dilly-dallying. Don't you want to make your fellow humans proud? I learned a lot of things in Tumbleweed Army. I learned how to march, how to roll up into a little ball to protect myself. Learned how to say, yes, ma'am, like I meant it. Most of all, I learned coyotes and deer and antelope were really scary because they could eat the tumbleweeds and break the wizard's spell and use their shoulder-mounted flamethrowers to burn everything. The Prairie Queen had the power of fire. She wanted to burn it all, burn the world, which I guess included my home and my mom, which is why I stayed. There was a girl there called Jade. She was an older girl, really pretty with deep almond skin and bright green eyes. We'd be in the middle of flamethrower dodging exercises, and she'd come up to me and look at the way I was darting and dodging around, and she'd say, Looking real good, Masterson. Looking real sharp. The tumbleweeds didn't do any of the teaching or drilling themselves. They only knew tumbling. They left it to all the 13- and 14-year-olds to teach us everything we needed to know. Maybe they should have asked for the real army, the adult army. Even they seemed weirded out by a little girl army, and sometimes they acted like they didn't know how they'd ended up with us at all. If the adult army was looking for us, they never found us, secret and hidden away on the outskirts of the city like we were. Also, the tumbleweeds had this special concealing magic, the last thing they had left of their wizard father. Aaron told me, Our wizard father was a great man. He granted us intelligence and the freedom we so cherish. But the concealing magic's fading. We can't stay hidden from the queen forever. I was like, Okay, you're fine. The older girls know everything. They've designed this whole thing and know everything there is to know. That's probably why our uniforms were pink and sparkly, and why our flags carried pictures of Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga, and why even though the cutoff age was 14, you could tell they were serious and skilled and were girls on a mission. Girls ready to kill. I missed my mom. I'm not going to lie about that. I missed her so bad it didn't matter to me she didn't listen anymore when I talked to her about school or that I always saw her crying first thing in the morning, or that everything Dad made her promise when he was in the hospital sort of, well, just went forgotten and we didn't talk about it. I was in that army for four weeks. Then we had the big battle. But I never forgot Mom. And I guess she never forgot me. 
but I couldn't say goodbye to her, just in case I might die, because the tumbleweeds were real, real strict about enemy codebreakers and antelope misinformation squads and such. One night, as I was laying down to sleep in my tent, Jade came and undid the tent flap, and she and a few girls brought in a little white cupcake with a single candle flickering and hopping kind of like a tumbleweed. What's this? I said sleepily. It's your birthday, Masterson, said Jade. My birthday? She nodded and said, make a wish. I wished to kiss a boy, but knew it probably wouldn't come true, because there were no boys for miles and miles. Me and the girls shared the cupcake, but the cupcake was made out of mashed potatoes, because the tumbleweed galley only had potatoes, because Aaron told us, all you eat is potatoes in the army, and we didn't argue. Jade, I said, choking down my last bite. Do you think things will go back to normal after this? I mean, after we kill the Prairie Queen and all? Do you think all us girls can go back to how we were? Jade thought about this. She nodded. Yes, I think we can. At least I hope we can. Wizards and queens and dumb dust, all that stuff shouldn't exist. I think it only exists because the world needs stuff to make you wonder. You know what I mean? My dad always says, boy, it really makes you wonder. I think that sort of thing is really important. Why? I said. One of the other girls chimed in. Because everything would be so boring otherwise. Boring's not bad, said Jade. Boring's only bad if you get used to it. There's always people stepping on other people, trying to take things that don't belong to them, you know? Because people get used to that, too. Like that spot where our city and their world meet up. So there was this spot where our city and their world met up. For miles and miles, our buildings rose high, and interstates ran, and traffic lights blinked red, yellow, green. Red, yellow, green. But on this spot, there were a few loose suburban fingers of little houses that looked nice, but that also all looked the same. And those fingers kind of stretched out. And then they ended. And their world was beyond. The prairie world. High grass and rolling hills, pretty wildflowers and peaceful vistas. The wind could rustle through, and it could carry a dry, dusty scent, and maybe there'd be pollen on the wind. But there were no honking car horns or televisions blaring. People didn't shout at each other. There were no people. The city wasn't there yet. Maybe it would be someday. Of course it would be. The city just kept growing and growing and growing, and nobody bothered to ask the queen if it was okay. Nobody stopped to think it might be a bad thing if the prairie world got swallowed up, got paved over with houses and restaurants and, you know, post offices and stuff built all over it. We had the battle on that spot. It was time. No more hiding. Me and all the girls... Thousands of girls. We lined up at the fence line of that last wandering suburban finger. The hot mid-afternoon sun beat down on us, smell in the air like columbines and sage. We came in our pink sparkly uniforms with our flags waving. The grenade girls all had purple caps, 
Girls with rifles had big red badges on their chests. There were also film crew girls, who'd appointed themselves to the rank, who held up smartphones and snapped selfies with the battlefield-to-be in the background. I was light infantry, just like Jade, and that meant we had no weapons, only pigtails and three-ring binders, because the tumbleweeds had chosen girls for a reason, and we all figured we'd be even scarier all dressed up for school. Prairie queens afraid of schoolgirls, Prairie queens afraid of schoolgirls. We kind of told each other that over and over again. Sort of like a, what'd you call it, a mantra. Prairie queens afraid of schoolgirls. Prairie queens afraid of schoolgirls. And we said it again and again, and it made us less afraid. Even though we knew we might die that day. The ground beneath our feet trembled. Far off across the field, over the rise and fall of grassy hills, we saw the first ranks of animals and their flamethrowers. The coyotes were the fastest and lightest, and they ran ahead of the herd, belching fire, scorching earth, I guess to scare us. They howled and yipped at the antelope and deer. You kind of figure antelope and deer don't make noises, but they do. This strained, desperate, sharp kind of screaming noise. And when there are thousands of them, and there were thousands, it comes off like a banshee wail, like a great roaring throat sound loud as jet engines. I don't know why, but the sound made us cry. It was so loud. The screaming, the yipping, the flames and flames and flames. I cried like I knew a soldier should never cry, but it was okay because Jade cried too. Maybe I felt like running home to my mom, and maybe Jade did also, but she didn't. She stood there like she was the bravest crying girl in the world, and she called back to us through her tears. Steady now, wait until you see the whites of their eyes. And I didn't know what that meant, because animals don't have white eyes. But I stood my ground all the same, even though my legs trembled, even though the tears drenched my uniform and my tongue felt stuck to the roof of my mouth. The tumbleweed commanders came rolling out to marshal our forces. I saw Aaron there with Commander Johnston Salsola Kali. Commander Johnston waved a scraggly little twig limb and said through the dumb dust, Today you do your species proud. Today you are not girls, but women. Human women of distinction, finery, and absolute quality. We have no idea how it is you came to defend us. But be not afraid, dear human beings. For though you may die, yes, you may die. Yes, yes, for though that may be so, remember, one and all, that the queen may take your lives, but she shall never take your Sweden. In unison, the thousand-girl army said, Huh? Commander Johnston said, Mother, freedom, freedom, freedom! The army roared. Girls fired rifles in the air. They said, Freedom! Even though freedom wasn't really the thing, but getting trampled and burned up, but a cry of freedom was enough, and I said it too. Jade told us to stand at the ready. We did. She told us to march ahead at the quick step. We did that too. 
I think the older girls had watched old war movies before the battle, so everything they were telling us to do was really smart and accurate for what soldiers are supposed to do in battle. We marched at the quick step. The rifle girls and grenade girls were right behind us. The rifle girls fired rounds over our heads. This was smart, because the animals kind of flinched and froze at the noise. Bang! Bang! Bang, bang, bang! And anyway, it wasn't the animals we were after, but the queen, who, Tumbleweed Intelligence told us, would be in the middle of her formations, in the mobile command station made of dead tumbleweed bodies all stuck together. Double time march, said Jade. We picked up the pace. Coyotes snapped and howled at us. The deer and the antelope shot steady burning jets of fire. We began our dodging maneuvers, still in ranks, still in line, but dodging that fire like crazy. A girl beside me, Kirsten, went down screaming. Our standard bearer went up in flames, but the next girl in line, a film crew girl, picked up the smoldering flag and soldiered on, still bravely snapping selfies and snagging footage of the whole bloody mess. And it occurred to me that the world was a crazy place. It made you wonder. Really made you wonder, you know? Girls weren't supposed to be soldiers, were they? Were girls supposed to be soldiers? I bent over Kirsten. Girls weren't supposed to be soldiers, were they? Little girls? Kids and teenagers? I froze to the spot. I tried to touch her. Girls weren't supposed to be soldiers. She was too hot, too bubbling, too much melted Kirsten. Girls weren't supposed to be soldiers. They weren't, or... Jade slapped me. Snap out of it, Masterson, she said. The command station, look, it's right there. And it was right there. It looked like a castle on wheels, made of tumbleweeds. Thousands upon thousands of poor dead tumbleweeds. Burn the world! Burn it all! Nobody else would die. Nobody! Jade and I and the remnants of our unit, all told seven girls, we darted in and out of flames and animals. Grenades exploded all around us. Dying things, dying from bullet wounds, dying from the burn. We mounted the ramp of that mobile command station. We tried to punch through the tumbleweed walls, but the queen had cast a spell and the walls were as solid as steel. Jade told us to begin the chant, the mantra, we began it. Prairie queens afraid of schoolgirls. Prairie queens afraid of schoolgirls. Prairie queens afraid of schoolgirls. The mobile command station rolled to a stop. Prairie queens afraid. Prairie queens afraid. The animals stopped. Their roaring streams and jets and flames. They stopped their screaming. The coyotes stopped howling and yipping and yapping. Prairie queens afraid of schoolgirls. And our army stopped, too. Nobody told them what to do if the animals quit fighting. Nobody expected that. The battlefield went silent. All but the wind and the flickering and popping of little grass fires here and there. And us seven girls. And our chanting. Our mantra. Prairie queens afraid of schoolgirls. Prairie queens afraid. The prairie queen fears nothing. The voice boomed and echoed across the field. It was low, brassy, 
Not human at all. The command station exploded. I went flying. I hit the ground. The air rushed from my lungs. Tumbleweed shrapnel bit at me, scratched me up. I felt the pain of it, but I couldn't breathe. Couldn't breathe at all. The voice came again, with a kind of wispy whip-crack to each syllable. The Prairie Queen fears nothing! Nothing! Like the blast of a shotgun, my breath came back to me. I sucked in air like it was a thick milkshake, like the best chocolate milkshake I'd ever tasted. Hands took hold of me, lifted me, jerked me up. My feet didn't touch the ground. You, girl, do you think I fear you? It wasn't hands that had a hold of me, and it wasn't a nasty old queen hovering inches from my face. I expected a scary old lady. The prairie queen was a blade of wild grass. Just a single, tall, stout blade of wild grass, with no face, no mouth, no eyes. Split from her body, willowy grass arms with little willowy grass hands. She shook me. She said, What stupidity! What inane musings! To think I could fear this dull creature! This girl! You people! You take so much! I will take from you! And then she threw me to the ground and started whipping me with her green grassy hands. It stung! It slivered and sliced. I started bleeding. The girls just watched. The animals watched. Stunned. Help, I said, help. You will not take from me, screeched the queen. You will not take from me. She whipped me. Welts and cuts and lacerations and ripping, tearing skin. I curled into a ball like the older girls had taught us, but the whipping kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. A little ball of fire started circling her wild grass head. The queen said, Burn the wizard! Burn the weeds! Burn your city to the ground! The ball grew and grew, and it circled faster and faster, and... Movement in the field... A tumbleweed rolled and hopped over me and smashed into the queen. The ball of fire circle in her head exploded. The tumbleweed ignited. The queen ignited, too. Masterson! Jade was moving now. She tossed me a grenade. I pulled the pin and flicked it at the queen. The burning tumbleweed was in the way. I rolled behind an antelope carcass. Mom found me bleeding on the sofa the next morning. There was a collection of wine bottles in our living room, and also a bunch of notebooks and pens and candy wrappers, and also pizza boxes, because adults like whole pizzas and whole bottles of wine. That's something I learned. Mom was drinking from a fresh bottle, sort of stumbling down the hall. She spotted me and said, Oh my God, Amy! Hi, Mom. She dropped the bottle. Wine splashed our white carpet. She flung herself at me and started kissing me all over and crushing me. Ow, I said. Ow, Mom, I'm hurt. I'm bleeding. Jesus Christ, you're bleeding. I know. Band-Aids, hydrogen peroxide. Mom patched me up as best she could. We both agreed I should go to the hospital, though. War is like that, I guess. Sometimes people die. 
Sometimes they have to go to the hospital. I watched the television as she fawned over me and poured peroxide over all my wounds. It bubbled and itched and burned. I still watched TV. The Plains and Wildlife Service guy translated for Tumbleweed Commander Johnston. I didn't need him to, though. Commander Johnston said, This day, this VQ day, this victory over the Queen, we shall remember it always, just as we shall remember and honor anew a bond of brotherhood between weed kind and humankind. Let it never be said your people backed down when all free folk everywhere fell under the flaming, fiery yoke of prairie oppression. It's absolutely crazy, said my mom. It's crazy you girls had to do this. Commander Johnston said, Your girls are our heroes. We don't know why you sent them to us. All we know is we're glad you did. At this, the Plains and Wildlife guy paused, and loud enough for the studio microphones to pick him up, he said, What do you mean? You specifically said girls. Precious girls. You took them from us before we even... Commander Johnston quivered. No, the girls were your idea. You're the ones who kept saying, Girls, girls. We asked for pearls. Thousands of precious pearls as a means of currency. You know to buy the aid of Southeast Asian mercenaries. Plains and Wildlife Service guy looked into the camera. He shook his head. He sighed and rubbed his temples. Regardless, said Commander Johnston, it was the bravery of two, one weed, one girl, who gave us our victory, who stopped the wicked queen and her lust for death and destruction. Aaron Sisimbrium Altissimum, Amy Masterson. My mom paused. We owe our lives to you. And then they showed the moment. The moment I don't think I'll ever forget. Aaron went rolling and hopping. It was Aaron. It was. It was his death all over again. He smashed into the queen. They both ignited. Jade threw me the grenade. I flicked it. I rolled away. The screen went white for a moment. Big boom. And that was the end of the war. Dear God, Amy. My mom's voice was soft, barely above a whisper. You did that? I nodded, staring at the screen, watching the replay, feeling all those grassy whiplashes again and again, feeling that impact, the way it hit the antelope carcass. Smell of gunpowder, shrapnel in my leg, antelope meat in my hair and in my mouth. You did that, my mom said again. I did. I did do that. But you're just a little girl. I put my hand on hers, squeezed it. Mom, I said. Yeah? Too many wine bottles. Less wine, okay, Mom? Mom hesitated. She nodded and said, Okay, less wine. And Mom? Yes, honey? It was my birthday last week. I know. Can I have a cake? A real cake, not a potato cake? What's a potato cake? It's what you eat on your birthday when you're in the army. Don't you know anything about the army? Mom stared at me. She glanced at the TV, the footage, the whipping, the fire, the explosion. She shook her head. 
No, she said. I guess I haven't the slightest clue. And welcome back. I love this weird imaginative tale, despite its impossibility, with the tumbleweeds and everything. It feels really genuine, and I think that's thanks to Amy's strong and honest voice. There's some melancholy to this story, with Amy's grieving alcoholic mother and child soldiers, but overall it doesn't come off as dark to me. Girls are too often condescended to in fiction. They're held up as examples of weakness. You fight like a little girl. But this story is different. It lifts up young girls. It celebrates their strength and their humanity in an empowering way. These kinds of stories are important. We need them. They are creative fuel. They let girls see themselves as a soldier if they want to, or as a pilot or an artist, or even something more fantastical, a wizard queen, a Jedi, a Ghostbuster. So maybe the Prairie Queen wasn't afraid of little girls, but she should have been. Little girls are formidable. I hope you enjoyed it. Now let's go to our assistant editor for the episode feedback. Salam, good people. This is Khalida Muhammad Ali, assistant editor over here at PodCastle. Hope you've all been well. Feedback this week is for PodCastle episode number 398, Flower of Flowers, Bird of Birds, by Alicia Cole. Scuba Man said, Even with my eyes closed, I didn't get caught up with this narrative. I'll have to try it again at a later date. I even tried to transpose my Hawaii experience over the story. No good. I regret that. Unblinking seemed to agree. This was one of those that, while I enjoyed listening to the flow of the words, it was kind of a lullaby effect on me, and I don't recall anything about the story itself other than that reaction. Trish M. seemed to get caught up in the imagery. I liked this one a lot. The lushness of the language really helped to immerse me in this exotic environment, while still feeling it was simply the natural home of the protagonist. The focus on all the sensuality of the experiences made it feel solid and real. I also liked the plot elements. No one knew why the magic weak mother bore a son instead of a daughter, but eventually the mother and her mother were able to accept the change had come and would continue to work its will upon their world, and their place was simply to deal with that. I liked the fairy tale style repetition of seeking a proper bride for the son leading up to the matter-of-fact recognition that it's the kingbird who should be his mate. It all just seemed really fitting, working together in a satisfying way. Owen Beft 3 said, I feel those saying they lost the plot and missed the point. I got lost in a beautiful dreamlike and slightly nonsensical place and came back feeling like I'd had a holiday. Thank you, scuba man. Trish M., Owen Bift, and Unblinking, and everyone else who stopped by to comment. Keep coming back to let us know what you think of our stories. And for those of you who didn't leave a comment this time, I sure hope you'll jump into the fray on the next go-round by visiting the Escape Artists Forum at forum.escapeartists.net. 
We would love to hear your thoughts. Well, that's it for now, but we'll be back next week. Hope to see you there. Peace. Thank you for those comments. Stop on by the website and let us know what you thought of today's story. And while you're there, consider making a donation. Every single cent goes toward keeping our podcast running, so we can keep bringing you the best fantasy fiction week after week. And if you can't donate, consider blogging or tweeting about us and spreading the word. That was our show for this week. On behalf of everyone at PodCastle, our slushers, Arun Jiwa, Christy Fermeller, Setsuo Zume, and Troy Wiggins, our audio engineer, Peter Wood, our forum moderators, Talia and Aussie Cat, our assistant editors, Jen Albert and Khalida Muhammad Ali, and your editors, Grand Dunlop and Rachel K. Jones. Thanks for letting us share another story with you. We'll be back next week with another. Until then, this is Jen Albert reminding you to stay in touch with your inner little girl. Because she's awesome. Our closing quote today comes from Margaret Atwood, who said, Little girls are cute and small only to adults. To one another, they are not cute. They are life-sized. <laughs>